welcome into another edition of NBA Sound System Packed House on this POD. Carlton Gay alongside Mike Adams, Alex Novick, and Gil McGregor. On this episode, we will talk about the change in Philadelphia. No Ben Simmons for the foreseeable future. How does that affect the entire Eastern Conference? What is the Lakers' go-to five in closing games? Uh, And Zion LeBron played for the first time, our takeaways from that. But we will start with the biggest game of the year in the Eastern Conference. The Bucks, Raptors. Go ahead, Mike. No, I'm just, I'm just, I just, I think it's really funny that you're saying that that's a bigger game than Zion and LeBron playing for the first time. I said in the Eastern Conference, didn't I? Yeah. We're starting, we're starting with this, right? It's the biggest game of the year in the Eastern Conference. It's a bigger game than Zion versus LeBron anyway. We'll get to that later. Okay. Hard hard disagree, but that's fine. Okay. All right. So, biggest game of the Eastern Conference, it was team numero un going up against team numero deux in the Eastern Conference. Uh, The Bucks went in there. They got the win. They kind of flexed their muscle in that game. Uh, they bullied them. They punked them. They did. The they Raptors got, got they punked out inside. Punked. So this was the only game, in my opinion, that we could have really learned something from the Milwaukee Bucks this far this season. Uh, they've been blowing teams out, historical numbers across the board. But this is the first time I think they were really challenged and they were up for a game. Not because of the Raptors having their full – because the Raptors didn't have their full roster – it was, you know, it's a, it's still a roster missing Marcus Gasol and Norman Powell, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point in this. But they were coming off a back to back where they were pushed to overtime, had to travel on the road to play a team that's really good at home, and came out and showed that they could still perform at a high level. Who wants to go first? What, what's your takeaways from this? The biggest game in the Eastern Conference this season. The, the gap between Giannis and Siakam is glaring. Like both both of those guys are starting the All Star game. Obviously, Giannis is gonna he's probably gonna go win a second straight MVP. Uh, earlier in the year, we were talking about Siakam maybe be even being in the the top five or six of that MVP conversation. But watching that game and you watch them when they're guarding each other specifically, the gap between those two is so large. It's so enormous. I have serious doubts about Toronto's viability as a legitimate threat to do anything of significance. And the playoffs, just because, like we've seen, we've seen Jason Tatum go up against right. Kawhi and LeBron and Giannis and, and really bring it. Right. Like there are to in order to win and go far, you have to have guys that can do that. And Siakam, once again, he just is not that guy. Whenever he has to go up against Giannis or Anthony Davis or Joel Embiid, it's just it's a season long pattern. And it was so glaring last night. Giannis scores 19 points, 11 below a season average. And he was still by far the best player on the floor because he finds other ways of impacting every single thing on the, on the court. Uh, Siakam was turned into a bystander shooting jump shots for 40 minutes. Before we get to, 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 to Alex and Gill's takes, I have to agree with you on that. I think that was. In my opinion, best regular season performance I've ever seen from Giannis Antetokounmpo. He didn't have it offensively. He had to, he, the, for a half, the first half completely, it looked as though he was going to be shut down completely by this Raptors team. He figured it out in the second half. He was able to get his teammates involved. The numbers are the numbers. I think he, had, he ended up with 19 and 19 or 19 and 18 or something like that. The assists, and he had a lot of hockey assists on top of that. 
Uh, obviously, his teammates have to make shots, but he was confident in giving them the ball in situations to make the shots, even when they weren't falling early on in the game. I thought that was the best performance I've seen out of Giannis in a regular season contest, which gives me more confidence heading into the playoffs when he knows he's going to see this type of defense against really good defensive teams later on in the playoffs. That, to me, was probably... That performance from Giannis was probably the single most reason why I'll believe that they make the finals this season. Can I just ask a question? No. Well, no, I'm, go I'm going to. <laughs> Where have you guys been the last two years? I mean... On what? what do you on mean? the Bucks and, and Giannis. I mean, Out on you're, you're, you're well, saying... I, I, don't look at me. No. Well, well Carlin started this saying why this is, this is the first opportunity the Bucks have to prove themselves. I mean... They said on, on the broadcast last night, but this, first of all, this team's 50-8. and eight. They're 110 right. and 30 over the last two seasons. But a lot of those, have, have you learned anything from that team, from the team, watching them blow out the Atlanta Hawks of the world? The, you know, they're not, they haven't been challenged in any of these games. I mean, they this were like, a, this they got was, up by 40 against the Clippers in a game earlier this year. They've won this, 50 games. They're the leading, they, they have the highest scoring offense and the best defense in the league. I know, I don't, I don't but know this, is a, this is the first time that there was a big-time feel around a game for both teams coming into it where there was no expectations, no injuries. I mean, let me actually, let me not there say There was a Lakers game earlier The Lakers this year. game, I was going to say. The Lakers game was a big the Lakers, one. And they answered the call there. So maybe I'm wrong. The they Lakers keep game. They the call, right? The, they, have, they have kept answering the call. And that's, and that's another reason. But this is, to me, I think Giannis played better in this game than he did in any other game in the regular season, period. Because the Raptors did exactly what they were going to do to him in the playoffs. And he figured out a way to still impact the game. Yeah. I mean, he. he was impressive without the scoring to still have such an impact. But, I mean, he's done that in 100 games from, I mean, just looking at his stats. And, Mike, you're, you're saying that it's some revelation that he's head and shoulders above Pascal Siakam? No, no, no. I mean, no but, what, but, but, like, okay, so it's, not a, so it's not a revelation to suggest that, like, LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard are head and shoulders above Jason Tatum. But what we've seen over the last two weeks is the ability to rise to the occasion in a game – to at least get to 95% of somebody else, or even outplay one of those guys in a game. Pascal Siakam was not in the same stratosphere as Giannis, and that's now two times this year that they've played Milwaukee, and Giannis has completely outclassed him from the jump. And that just can't happen. Like If, if you're the defending champs, and you have the second-best record in the Eastern Conference, and you take yourself seriously as a team that could reach the finals again— you have to get more out of your best player. And time and time again, whether it's Milwaukee, whether it's the Clippers, whether it's the Lakers, whether it's the Sixers, whether it's even like the Pacers, like Pascal Siakam just keeps disappearing in these big games. Can't wait to read your article on NBA.com. Yeah, that, there's, there is going to be an article on NBA.com from the Mike Adams. By the time you're listening to this, it's already going to be up on the site, ca.nba.com. Gil, what did you take away from that game? Well, I guess I want to ask, like, are, are we so sure that that's exactly what, what they're going to see, like what Giannis is going to see from this Raptors team? We always talk about the mad scientist that Nick Nurse is, that, that brilliance that he has, and that also the fact that the Raptors aren't at full strength. And I know the Bucks were also on the second of a back-to-back, but I do think there are a lot of wrinkles and a lot of twists and turns that we will see them throw at the Bucks if they are to meet in the postseason. So I was interested to see, like, that the fact that they were able to look as dominant as they did for a small part in the first half. I think that's encouraging because they're kind of kind of getting an idea of offensively what works and what's not going to work. The Bucks are going to pack the paint. They're going to have to knock down shots. That's that's what it comes down to. Defensively, I think that's where it gets interesting. That's that's 
I think that there's a lot left to be learned. I don't think we're going to see it in the next two times they play this regular season. I do think that it's only going to be a potential postseason meeting between these two teams where we actually can learn what they're really going to throw at them and hopefully see both these teams at full strength. Before we move off the Bucks, the uh, the, the the Bucks. Sorry, before we go to the Raptors, I don't want to move off the Bucks. Are you gonna Are you gonna say something about? No, I was just gonna say like I I think that like they played Giannis about as well as I think you can play him. Like right. he that the first game of the year when they when they played early in the year, I think he had thirty six on twenty shots and was like he was right at the rim. unencumbered to the rim. He was out in transition. I mean, it was a joke how easy it was. Mm-hmm. They did a great job of building a wall, sending help, making him make the right decision. Like that, they played Toronto played that game like a playoff game. And how they guarded Giannis, and it just didn't matter. Yeah. yeah. 19 and 19, eight assists, three blocks. He was like, Siakam didn't show up. Giannis defended him for a large chunk of that game and shut him down. Siakam had opportunities to drive at Giannis, and it, it would look every single time he, he saw Giannis in front of him, the confidence just left his body and he passed up the ball. Like, it, he did not look like a guy that was starting in the All Star game, which we saw less than a month ago. He did not look at the guy that just has the confidence of an all-star starter. He looked like he looked like Pascal Siakam that was just coming into the league and just figuring out how to play basketball. There was a fast break opportunity. I remember Siakam was running straight at Giannis, and he turned around <laughs> and went back to the three three-point line and waited for the rest of the team to show up. Pascal Siakam last year was going right at Giannis, spinning in the lane, figuring out a way to get a, 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 an N1 opportunity. That did not happen on, on uh, Tuesday night. I, I agree. It was, a, it was a weak performance from Siakam. A little disappointing coming off being an all-star starter. But uh, one thing that we haven't even mentioned yet, going back to the Bucs, and, and Gil, you said, you know, we'll see what Nurse throws at Giannis in the playoffs. But Chris Middleton yeah. has been awesome. Yeah, he was incredible. I mean, no, one, no one's even talking about this guy as much as they should. Not just last night. His last 20 games, he's averaging 25 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, shooting 55% from the field and 50% from three. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. he's playing like a top 10 guy in the league right now, and, and he's just an afterthought. So when you talk about the Bucks, I mean, it's more than Giannis. They, they got some, a big-time duo. There. That, that win uh, you know, on the first night of the back-to-back in overtime, Giannis only played 24 minutes. He fouled so out. Like, Wow. Yeah, so it's like everyone's like, oh, it's the second night of a back-to-back. Everyone played heavy minutes. Like, Giannis basically wasn't out there. And Middleton, you know, he drops 40. I think on the year, whenever he's out there without Giannis, his per 36 numbers are like 32, 8, and 6. Like, the guy's been absolutely insane whenever he's asked to be a number one option. And the scary thing, if you're Toronto looking at that game last night, like, they hit 11 threes in the first half. They got out-of-body out experience performances by both Matt Thomas and Chris Boucher, who basically looked like Marcus Saw and Norm Powell, who didn't play. <laughs> and yet, you look up at the scoreboard, and they're only up 52-50. to 50, And in that first half, Middleton and Giannis were combined 4 of 11. Like, they, Toronto did everything they needed to do to put that game away early, and it just didn't matter. Because Milwaukee is that good. They, that just, was, they got answers. That was a professional win by Milwaukee. No question about it. That's, that's how you play a road game. That was a playoff feel. The hype was there. The crowd was on fire uh, to start the game. And, you know, Every shot that not, went down, you mentioned the threes, felt like the roof was going to blow off the place, and it looked like Milwaukee was going to get blown out. But as you said, they went to halftime, only down two. And to start the third quarter, you could feel the shift. And granted, a lot of the people that were at the game weren't in seats yet. And by the time they got back in seats, 
the, the Bucks had taken complete control of the game, and I agree with you. I think Chris Middleton was terrific. I think we're underestimating how much of a leap Chris Middleton has taken this season as a second option. Uh, you know, he is clearly the second best player on this team. Uh, he erases a lot of the mistakes that, or or the lack of talent that Giannis may have, and that's a very small, you know, point of his game. The, the perimeter shooting, the ability to break down one on one and get to spots in the mid range. Chris Middleton has all that, and he was able to show that in Tuesday night's win. And he was defending Kyle Lowry, shut him down. Kyle Lowry, did Kyle Lowry play on Tuesday <laughs> night? Did he play out? Did anyone see him out there? I think him and him and uh, Fred Van Finals MVP vote were both uh, MIA. Yeah, combined seven of twenty six from the field. In, and and, and that's Middleton just being able to lock them down. The fact that a, a forward, I know he's playing, he's probably more of a, a guard for a tweener. But the fact that he's able to guard two guys, stay in front of them, they didn't get, they didn't even get to the paint to have Brook Lopez really lock them off. A lot of, a lot, Stan Van Gunny, I mean, he sounded like Scott Rafferty on Tuesday night, didn't he? He, <laughs> yeah, I, he was going overboard with the Brook Lopez He was stuff. going a little overboard with that. I got to say, though, Stan Van is, he's already my favorite he's color commentator. Like yeah. He is so far and away better than anybody else uh, that TNT throws on the on those broadcasts. Yeah, 100%. He's great. Yeah, Jim Jackson was point. pretty good, too, which we'll, which we'll get to in the second, uh, second game. But I, I think the perimeter defense from Milwaukee was a lot better than people are giving it credit for. We, you just look at the, the, the point attempts that the Raptors had, or sorry, the paint attempts that the Raptors had. They weren't there, but that's a lot had to do with Matthew, Wesley Matthews, and even Donovan DiVincenzo did a good job defending. They, they shot, the Raptors shot 11 of 32 inside the paint and had 10 shots blocked. It was like watching like a JV team play yeah. against, it was like watching the freshman team play against the, the varsity <laughs> team in practice. Inside, yeah. it just it it's completely mismatched. Milwaukee's really good. <laughs> that's this yeah, is my final takeaway at it. Milwaukee's really good. All right, the Raptors though. Let's what can they do? Because it's not like Siakam's going. They they can't. The trade deadline's long gone. Uh, the one thing I will say, we saw them play next to perfect in that first half. They couldn't sustain it in the second half because there was really no ball movement. Like they were hitting shots that they probably wouldn't hit on a daily basis, but there was no ball movement at all in that second half. It was a lot of one-on-one dribbling, and they just don't have guys that can break down. Def- Kyle Lowry's not a guy that's going to break your ankles. Van Vliet's not a guy that's going to break your ankles. They missed Norman Powell. Norman Powell's the only slasher they had. There wasn't any guys that were cutting to the rim. They weren't putting pressure on. Granted, they, every time they got to the rim, they were getting rejected, but they weren't putting pressure on Brooke Lopez to really have to do anything uh, you know, to protect the rim at a high level. The one time he was challenged, he, he fouled uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson in the paint. And uh, so they missed him. And the second part of that is they missed Marcus Gasol's passing. Like, he's the one guy that I think on the entire team that is going to be able to suck Brook Lopez out the paint and force, you know, force him to guard him out there because he could A, shoot the three and also be able to find guys and cutters uh, towards him. I mean, we're talking about, like, them missing Norm Powell's shot creation and Mark Gasol's passing. And, like, yeah, they're really well coached. They play hard. They're fundamentally sound. But I just think, like, you just see the talent difference. Sure. And at some point, like, in a playoff series, like, who on that team is taking over repeatedly down the stretch in fourth quarters of tight games? Like, I... I'm taking Giannis and Middleton. I'm taking Jimmy Butler. I'm taking Joel Embiid. I'm taking Jason Tatum. Like, I, I don't know. They have a few I, guys I think that there's a little bit of a ceiling. You're on the edge there. It sounds, it sounds like I mean, you're... Van Fleet and Lowry had 
pretty good. Yeah, they're incredible. Pretty yeah, playing his runs. playing his secondary options off of a guy that turned into Michael Jordan for a month. Right. So are they going to do it as the guy? Go ahead, say it. No, I just think. Go ahead, a, say it. The Raptors are out in the first round. No, they're not out. There. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that to me. Don't put words in my mouth. I mean, it sounds like you're out on this team after the after seeing their performance. I I, I I don't think they can reach the finals, and I would actually be a little bit surprised if they reach the conference finals. Okay, no, I just think the talent. I just I, I don't like how far how far can can coaching and discipline take you in a playoff series when it's been proven time and time again that talent just talent trumps all. There's a reason that LeBron on not great teams. Reached eight straight finals, and it's because simply play. When when it's you know comes down to it, it's just who has the best guy, and they are not going to have the best guy against any of those other teams in the second round or beyond. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair, and I think <clears throat> the other part of that is is that it's not even a not great team that Giannis is on. This is a really really well put together team that complements him really well. Because I think about that '09 Cavs team that LeBron kind of came up short with, where everybody thought he was going to get up, but they ended up running into. I wouldn't say Dwight was a better player than LeBron, but that team was just better. But Toronto doesn't really have that dynamic working for them. I do think that having uh, Gasol back will help them a lot. And I think that's the difference between a potential series with the Bucks being over really soon and going to six or maybe seven games just because those elbow touches, the way he gets the ball moving, because he talked about it, Carlin, like that was a big problem. They, the, the ball was sticking. The guys trying to break people down when they couldn't do it. Um, that's really what Gasol does. Norman Powell's been playing out of his mind this year. So if he's able to pick that back up, then – and maybe that, that'll help. But I, I do want to talk about Pascal Siakam and just the concerns around him and, and kind of where he is at this stage in his career. Um, last year, I think back to that game one in the finals where he had 32. And the next game, how is he going to respond? The Warriors kind of keyed in on locking, locking him down. He scored eight points. He really struggled. I felt like this year was going to be a pretty much a bigger example of that he's the guy teams are going to be focusing in on him he's not used to that he's at that stage of his career I think that he still has a potential to be that guy that we're talking about but it's just he went from the 11th man to you know being the second option off of a guy who turned to Michael Jordan to now a lot more responsibility than probably he would think that he would gradually earn or gradually grow into at this point in his career I think that two one or two years down the line he might be able to develop that but I do think it's too soon, and we're not going to see it this postseason. Him being that guy—that's a great point. That you got to give this guy a little bit of time to grow into that role. I mean, it takes guys year to Kawhi, what eight years? I mean, it takes a while. And, and it's just one thing we sh- should point out: like we're hating on him, like he was Serge Ibaka going one for ten from three last night. But Siakam did finish with twenty-two points and went five and nine from three, six yeah, rebounds. I, it's not like he—I think that was fool's goals, though. Like, yeah, it, it wasn't. You know. He, they lost by 11 points and he didn't look great, but I mean, it's not like he was a complete no show. No, he wasn't. But, but like, he's also like, he's been so good that I think he's earned the right to have to be like, he should be held to a higher standard, right? Like he's started the all-star game. He's the best player on a team with the third best record in the NBA. Like right. at some point we got to take the training wheels off and like, and, and, and maybe maybe he will get there, and maybe he won't get there, and that's fine. There's only a handful of guys in the entire league that have the capability of being the best player on a championship-winning team. And it doesn't mean that if he's not that guy that he's some scrub or that he's not an all-star or that he's not a great player. Like, he's a great player, but there's a, there's just there's a difference between being an all-star and being like that guy. And I just he's just not that guy. I completely agree. I, I just think he's not ready to be that guy yet, but 
the circumstances forced him to either have to be that guy or they're going to come up short. And I think that they're facing the reality. And that's what last night was a reminder of that he's not ready for that yet, which again, like you said, no knock on him. I mean, there's only a handful of guys that are that guy, but they're going to have to figure out a really, really creative team way to find a way to beat a better team or face the music and reality and realize that they're not going to have that guy to lead them to a playoff series victory. It looked bad last night. I'm still not ready to like today, if I had to make a choice, I still don't know which way it goes in a seven-game series. I, you think it's a sweep, right? No, that, no, it's not a sweep. But I'm, <laughs> he doesn't even think there's going to be a series. I don't think. Yeah, I don't. So there right. you go. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. So, but if you had to pick seven-game series, how long does it go? You the Bucks five. in five, five. Okay, Bucks in six, six. Six. I honestly don't know. You're taking the Raptors in seven. <laughs> no, no. I, 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 I'm leaning towards the Bucks. I'm leaning towards the Bucks, but I think it's a seven-game series. I do. I think that you can't underestimate what pa- what uh, not Pal Gasol. He's finished. Marc Gasol adds to the team. What he, the difference between him and Rondé Hollis Jefferson on the floor? It's a big difference. Don't do that to Big D's though. Big D's out there dunking on Giannis, taking charges. That's my guy. And also, threes. I mean, Serge Ibaka. That's Chris Boucher, Chris Boucher. Yeah. Nobody, nobody knows who no, Big no, D's. No, no. <laughs> yeah, Took me like two silence. years to figure that out. Side <laughs> <laughs> of the office, no one knows who that is. <laughs> and even when you say Chris Boucher, people are still scratching <laughs> yeah, their heads to who that is. Uh, Serge Ibaka is also probably not going to show up and go two for 15 from this. No, he's he been was, lost in the last like month and a half. And he so. was awful and that's obviously uh, Nick Nurse said that after the game he said he had 21 straight games he's bound to have a stinker and I mean is I feel like that's just an anomaly I, he'll bounce back sooner rather than later and I'm sure he'll be on his peak form and, it's gonna be a great series hope we see it hope we see it all right uh one series that Micah says we will see yeah baby in the first round Let's of the go. playoffs in the Western Conference we saw a preview of that on Tuesday night as well Lakers Pelicans Zion LeBron uh the first time these two have matched up won't be the last, especially if LeBron stays around like Tom Brady has in the NFL. Um, Zion lived up to the hype. LeBron, that's my guy, man. When, he still gets up for these big-time games. And not just Tuesday night, but Sunday. He, Jason Tatum's going crazy. It was still LeBron that said, you know what? You still got ways to go. To he, gets a li- he gets a little extra motivation, I love right, it. from those games. I love it. Even if he would never admit it, like... It, that's what makes him as great as he is. You can go read about that on NBA.com right now, ca.nba.com. Um, what stood out in that game for you guys? Yeah, I mean, from the jump for me, and Micah knows where I'm going with this, but it's such a disconnect to even put LeBron and Zion side by side as, as, as if this is the next LeBron. I just don't see... <laughs> I mean, we're comparing his first 12 games to LeBron's first 12. The impact that, that LeBron has the ability to have on a game, even when he was a rookie, is so far and away larger than Zion now. Like, the, LeBron is so much more well-rounded disagree. of a player. Okay, I want okay, that It's like a square peg in a round, that's in a round hole. He's a much more well-rounded player, but the things that Zion does are just as impactful than rookie LeBron. Other than scoring? What is he? How is he impacting the game? He other impact, than because right he draws he draws the attention of all five guys whenever he's on the floor. How many open threes does New Orleans get when he's out there? Because guys are terrified of not bringing a second, third, fourth guy. So where's all his uh, assists then? He's not he's not putting up assist he, numbers, passing the guys 
on a three-point line. Since he made his debut, whenever he's been on the floor, the Pelicans have been smashing teams by like 13 points per 100 possessions. It's a better mark than when Giannis is on the floor. It's a better mark than when LeBron's on the floor. It's a better mark than when Kawhi's on the floor. You can't say that what he does doesn't impact winning when literally all he's done is impact winning since he made his debut. You just can't say that. You can say that, sure, he doesn't do a whole lot outside of scoring, but like you just... The, the results are what the results are. Just because he's not out there getting triple doubles and he doesn't have the all-around floor game and he can't dribble with his right hand doesn't mean that like he's not already... <laughs> and he can't shoot and he can't... He's already, the, he's already the single most dominant low-post scorer in the entire league, and the guy's a 19-year-old 13 games into his career. I'm going to let the conversation flow because I like this. But you, you, can't, you can't say he's impacting winning. They're 7-6 and six with him. And they got healthy right around the time he... They're 7-6. and six. He, He's impacting... Don't, impacting offense... Cool. Don't say winning. They're seven and six. It's they, not like they they're, they're not a, running away. They are a significantly better well, team course. whenever they, he's on healthy. the floor than whenever he's not on the floor. No, no doubt. If you wanted to say that, cool. I, that's literally what I just said. But it, no, you said impact that's impact winning. winning. Uh, seven and six. Oh my god. That's a, that's a stat. When is a stat? But they're, uh, they're barely five hundred. But also, but also, they played the Lakers. They played the Bucks. The Rockets. Oh, the here Celtics. comes the excuses. <laughs> the, I mean, they beat the Celtics, but the Nuggets. They, they, they. It's not like they're like losing to like they're losing games they should have won. You know, like and they've also had some some good wins. They beat Boston. Um, they beat Memphis, which is important for the for the playoff race. Right. So he's he's helping as far as that goes. So I, I would say he's impacting winning, and I would say that they're playing some some tough games. Now schedule gets easier, so we'll see if he's able to help them win games. Supposed to win. Five thirty eights got the Pelicans largely as a result of tiebreakers and the the differences in the schedule and whatnot. They have them with a 66% chance of making the playoffs. That's incredible. Let's that's go. Incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. I, 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 didn't think, I don't think it's that high of a, of a chance. I think there is a chance, though, just because their schedule is so easy and there's going to be a lot of teams packing it up and getting on the beach <laughs> in mid-March. Um, and, and the Grizzlies are going to have to really win games. You're gonna have to, that's a young team with no veteran leadership to calm them down when things are going awry. So... When now no Jaron Jackson and no Brandon Clark. So, right. I, yeah, that's, that's two tough losses. So uh, the door's open there for the Pelicans. I, I can see a 1-8 matchup with these two teams. I don't see the Pelicans causing any issues for the, for the Lakers. And I'm not saying anyone else on this table did say that. But I, I don't see I don't see it being a comparison. Oh, I, I said it. I said it. I'll, I'll no, say you, it again. You said, what you said, they'd take one game. That's I think they would take one game. Yeah, but it's not a competitive. I, I think they it's could take. Two, I think they could take two games. Okay. All right. Now we're talking. Go ahead. You see, you see any parallels between that and the uh, 2010 Lakers Thunder first round series when OKC was AC? You see a little, little bit of a history repeating itself, like maybe. I like that a lot. Deep cut. I mean, I, you know, Lakers were the favorite. They ended up going to win a championship. Thunder had, you know, the youngest version of the playoffs we saw of KD, Russ, and James Harden. And they ended up taking two games. I remember Russ tried to dunk on uh, Andrew mm, Bynum. And I was, I, like, oh, I was like, this guy's crazy. And who, who is this guy? You know, and then we see he has that same kind of relentless mentality. I think that you got a kind of a preview of their future dominance. They were in the finals two years later. So maybe maybe this is what we see. We see history repeat itself. I mean, you're not, you're not like really going to threaten them if like – your answer for guarding LeBron is putting Drew Holiday on him because they literally yeah. don't have anyone that can guard LeBron. Yeah. But, like, you know. Who does? Stop them three straight possessions. I, I know. Like, he, he could put up a fight. He's, he gives a valiant effort, but that's, that's not going to work in a seven-game series. Here's my take on it. If this ends up being the first-round series, I think the, West, the, the rest of the Western Conference should be scared because I think playoff LeBron will be activated far earlier than it should 
like if Memphis is there, he's not worried about Memphis. He's just going through the motions. They're going to sweep Memphis. If it's a playoff series matchup, and he has to hear for a whole week how great Zion is and how he's in the same class as LeBron, it's just going to piss him off. And you don't want to do that and get him ready to go on a championship run where he's already motivated to go out and win a championship. This is going to be extra motivation to go out and prove that he's still one of the best players in the league. I, if I am the rest of the Western Conference, I do not want New Orleans in the playoffs. It's kind of like the uh, like the LeBron version of that video game meme where the guy's sitting back with a controller <laughs> and forward. he finally leans forward. <laughs> yeah. You don't see LeBron lean forward in the first round too out. Like even that series that they went to seven against the Pacers a couple years ago, right. like he didn't even like, really start playing until like midway through Game Six. Yeah. Like okay, <laughs> like if I don't pick it up, we're gonna lose. Yeah. And you know. And he was kind of like being stubborn. He was like, like, I I have to show the rest of the team that we can get eliminated in these. And then when they actually looked like they were about to be eliminated, he's like, all right, let's let's sit forward. Um, Any more takes on this? I don't think you can do that this year, though. I mean, I guess the Pelicans. I mean, even against the Pelicans, that Lakers team, I think we're going to talk about this soon. Let's go. Let's go right now. I mean, that's that team is soft. Once you get past uh, the top two, it stuck out to me yesterday as well or Tuesday night as well. I don't know what their closing lineup is. I, we obviously know LeBron AD. I think we can say all agree on Danny Green. Danny Green. And he's shooting out yeah. there. Right? We, we can all agree on. And then after that, I think we, if we all had to put our five out right now, we'd all have different answers. So let's do it. Well, who's your, who are they, who are they I, closing with? My, my, <laughs> my closing five this is, gonna be great. is <laughs> LeBron AD, Danny Green. <laughs> Alex Caruso, to me, oh, has to be in that five. Buying uh, into the Caruso hype. I, 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 I think the guy brings intangibles, and you need that because no one else. LeBron and AD are not going to do the dirty work. You need someone that's going to go in there and take a charge. Caruso's that guy. And after that, I think they're screwed. Like, I really don't know who they put in there. KCP, like, he's the best option. KCP's playing well for them. I think he's definitely in there. Shooting over 40% from three this year. He can defend. But when you look at at who they'll be playing, KC, you you already – if you play uh, the Clippers, or we'll throw the Clippers out there. KCP having to guard a Lou Williams, that's barbecue chicken, right? Like, that's, it's I mean, not you fair. You think Caruso's going to do that much better? I mean, there was, there was a news report yesterday that the Lakers are going to uh, work out Deion Waiters. Oh, my God. We're in late February, and oh we're talking about, like— This is my final talking, pick. What are they doing? We're talking about, like, <laughs> them working out Deion Waiters, about, like, how like Alex Caruso should be in the closing lineup, like, KCP. Like, what are, what are we doing? Caruso should be in the closing lineup. Like, if, 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 if the answer is on February 25th, we need to work out Deion Waiters because we're worried about our depth, I, I don't know. That's, that's a pretty big warning sign. All right, I, I honestly, so my starting five, closing five, LeBron, AD, Danny Green, Alice Caruso, and then whoever's hot at the moment. That's, that's. <laughs> Come on. You got to five. Say, Avery, Avery Bradley. I don't know if it's Kuzma. I don't know if it's JaVale <laughs> McGee. I don't know if it's, it's Dwight. Like, I, I, it's I probably, don't know. It's probably Dwight or Avery Bradley, right? Depending on, depending on matchups. I think, that, I think that AD at the five, though, is probably their best match, their best lineup. I, no, I, I would agree that it is. If you had guards that could shoot, it would be. But, like, wouldn't you rather have a seven-foot version of Rajan Rondo on the 100%. floor and Dwight Howard than Rajan Rondo on the floor? I, I just don't know. I'm afraid to close with Dwight because he can't shoot free throws. Yeah. I don't think can't. either of those two guys are touching the floor. Yeah, at the, you, at you the can't end. shoot I hope free that. throws. 
so Quinn Cook is actually not an. I was, I was laughing when I was writing it down. He's not a bad option because a he's not going to be afraid to shoot the big shot. B he can knock down free throws. And see, he he can actually he can actually break down and get to the paint a little bit. Man, I'm a, I'm reaching here, but that's how, that's dire straits right now. I'm a Duke guy, so I, I, this pains me to say it. Quinn Cook ain't the answer. But I mean, <laughs> he had a big playoff, a big finals game last year. I mean, he they were big they were good. He, I, he hit he a big, big shot in one big game and missed <laughs> a lot of wide open <laughs> yeah. shots. But there's a re- there's a reason that they're out there going triangle and two and boxing one and Steph Curry <laughs> and just leaving Quinn Cook all. I, he might as well be in an open gym at Cameron Indoor Stadium and some of those shots he was breaking in the finals last year. I, Quinn Cook is my guy, but he is not the guy to close All out right, games so for the Lakers. I, I'm with you on Caruso. That guy comes in the game and he's just like instant impact energy, yeah. does everything on both ends. Even he can't really shoot a whole lot either. I, I think it should be Avery Bradley, but I don't... Yeah. I don't know. I'm not like sold on that either. <laughs> no one knows. What, what do you have? About I, I had Bradley. I, so I had I had Rondo, Green, Bradley, KCP. No, I didn't because that's <laughs> that's too many players. Yeah. I had I didn't have um, I didn't have Rondo. I had Bradley, Green, KCP, LeBron, and Davis. Bradley actually had a pretty good. He, he was terrible last night. He was over eight from the floor, but he right. had a pretty good stretch. The eight games before the, before the Boston game was averaging thirteen points, shooting fifty eight percent from three. He can def, he can defend. He's he's a guy you want in there. Rondo, I'll take just from lack of other good options and his experience. <laughs> Danny Green, playoff yeah. Rondo, man, it's a real thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll he'll give you some value. I think that's that's the five. I'm not buying Caruso because, like you said, I just, he's not shooting enough, and he's a good energy guy in spurts, but don't he's not in there at the end of the games in either of those two big guys. So I think we all are in cons- the consensus is the f- that four of them are Caruso, Green, Davis, and LeBron. Uh, for me, no, no, Alex. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, out on that. No, Alex is out on Caruso. Apologies. Um, but yeah, so that, that's my four. Uh, as far as the fifth guy, I mean, I would if I wish I could say whoever's hot. Um, but I mean, I would probably have to go with with Avery Bradley. I think that having Anthony Davis at the five is, is their best bet. Um, you know. Putting Kyle Kuzma in that lineup is, I mean, that's what he's supposed to be there for. Uh, but at the same time, that would probably mean he's playing the four, and I don't really know how that's gonna gonna work for him. I know the big the big thing with bringing Markeith Morrison was that Kuz could play some more three. He had some moments last night. He had, had a um, even had some moments in the in the Celtics game the in the past week when he had got got a block on Tatum, and they talked about um, his ability or developing the ability to guard guys like that in spurts. Um, Defensively, I think that's where things are going to be interesting. You talk about the teams that they're going to show, come, go up against. They'll probably have to get past the Clippers to win. But, you know, we talked about LeBron turning in Le- LeBron James mode. He's done more with much, 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 much less. So I don't know if we should be so worried about who they're going to run into if they have LeBron James on their side. So what does this all mean, though? Because it's I haven't really thought about this until I put this question out to you guys. Because they're my finals pick like I, I expect them to get out of the western conference i've been saying that all year long just because i believe so much in lebron and ad and i think that they'll be one of the two of the three best players in each series that they're going to be in that includes the clippers 
but I haven't really put any thought into who's going to be that last guy that may have to take a big shot, and it may have to come down to an Alex Caruso three to get them a game six win on the road uh, in, in a playoff series. Is it so metal, what does is it all metal mean? World Peace, the jump shot that won, that won the Lakers <laughs> yeah. a title, right? But, but Metal World Peace was still a great defender at that time. All NBA defender at that time. Alex yeah. Caruso is not that. Like Caruso might not have the confidence that Metal World Peace He's has to it. take that shot in that moment. I think that's a big thing because watching Kuzma yesterday, uh, he's going up against, or, or Tuesday, he's going up against the Pelicans, a team that he's very familiar with, guys that he, he's friends with, uh, guys he would have, you know, went to practice war with, and he still looked like he was terrified in the big moments, and that, to me, said a lot more because he probably would have been my five before that game just given the fact that there's not many options and you just have to keep giving him the benefit of the doubt i think i'm out on him being that in a part of that closing five especially with them adding markeith morris are we are we going to look back at the lakers decision not to trade kuzma and find another shooter or another knockdown anybody outside of danny green are we going to look back at that decision as what ultimately cost the lakers a championship because I, I think we it might. might. Yeah, like, might. I, I look at, like, the Clippers are finally healthy, right? They, they went out on Sunday, finally healthy with their entire rotation for the first time, and God knows how long, and they mopped the floor with the Grizzlies. Now, I know the Grizzlies are missing some guys. Right. But, like, that game was over three minutes into the game. Right. And, like, you go down the list, and we're, we're sitting here talking about, like, we trust LeBron and AD, and then, like, who's after that? You look at the Clippers, and you're like, after Kawhi and Paul George, they just keep. They just got guys all over the floor that can make shots, make plays, defend multiple positions that aren't scared of anybody. Like Lou Williams could go toe to toe with anybody over over a fourth quarter stretch multiple times in a series and and win a game. I don't know if the Lakers have anyone remotely close uh, to what the Clippers can throw out there from three on down through eight. It's amazing that we run, went around the entire table and not a single person until you, Carlin, brought up Kuzma. That even being considered in the That's in this lineup, it's it's amazing that he's fallen that far from what you know the hype that he had. And I agree. I think I think they botched botched it at the trade deadline. It's going to end up costing them. The minute they went out and got Marquise Morris, I almost switched my finals pick. I, wow! Wow! wow. I, I, you, you're the guy that said the Clippers <laughs> made a terrible mistake by trading for his twin brother. Yeah, I, I think I well I thought. That's that's for locker room chemistry. I'm I'm staunch on that. I, I think that the locker room chemistry in LA for the Clippers is bad. I think they they may have the talent to override that, but I just don't think that everybody gets along, and that that sometimes matters. They might just be better than everyone else this year, but if there was a team right there with them, the Lakers, who seem to like each other, probably in tougher moments. I, I would trust them more. They just don't have guys that have proven it yet. That's all. Well, one of the things I think that was eye-opening about that game against the Pelicans is Danny Green was was their third best player. Like Alex Caruso made some plays, but Danny Green was like, I think he ended up with like seven or eight deflections. He was draining corner threes with a hand in the face. And he was awful against Boston. And like, yeah. But I, but I, I just like, you, you saw his value and sort of, uh, you know, a, a young team pushing back, making runs late, and LeBron and AD could turn to Danny Green and, like, he's hitting timely shots. He's not going to be afraid ever on either end, the, uh, either end of the floor to accept any challenge. Should we be surprised about that, though? No, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I think we, we kind of missed, 
yeah, until you brought him up, that's one guy that all of us had in our in our starting five and didn't even think twice about because of his his resume. He's, he was great in the finals last year. Stunk it up to get to the finals, but he was great when we got to the finals. And yeah. almost maybe the guy almost threw the ball away at the end of Game <laughs> Six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't. So you know, yeah, we, yeah, we can't we yeah. can't hold it against him. Can't hold it against him. <laughs> uh, Gil, do you have anything on, the, on before we move on? Uh, you know, I think I can envision one of these guys who we unsung hero we're not expecting, like like how Rondo had that game winner in Boston last year. Like somebody somebody on that team who we're like not thinking about is going to have a big moment that wins him a playoff game this year. It might be like KCP or Rondo or Kuzma. They're going to hit a game winner or something. So it's going to be Jared Dudley. Don't don't he, call, hey, look. It's going to be Jared Dudley. Don't call, and he's don't. going right on Twitter to let you know about it. Right <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> uh, well, Jared Dudley leads us into Ben Simmons, doesn't it? Yeah, perfect segue. Perfect segue. Segue king over here. Uh, <laughs> ben Simmons is going to miss some time with a back injury, and uh, the Philadelphia 76ers are going to have to move on without him for the foreseeable future. Who knows how long that could be? So we're going to play the hypothetical game. If Ben Simmons does not return to the Philadelphia 76ers this season, how does that impact the Eastern Conference? I mean, it just locks those top four teams in, right? The Celtics, Heat, Raptors, and the Bucks. I mean, that, it, it pretty much, I mean, I, I wouldn't put the Pacers anywhere near that either. So it locks those four teams up, makes for potentially really interesting and competitive uh, semifinals. I'd love to see a, a Raptors-Celtics series. I think that would be really competitive, really balanced, and, and just a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, I think it just clears up things pretty, pretty easily. I, I actually, I don't think it actually changes a whole lot. Um, you look at, so Philly's got some serious issues um, in terms of lack of playmaking, lack of shooting. None of that is a surprise. And a lot of that's going to... You mean that without Ben Simmons or with Ben Simmons? I mean, both. Okay. Both, right? Like, I mean, I, I mean the, the shooting with the playmaking really with, without. But I, but I think that we'll see a better version of Tobias Harris. I think that we'll see them really lean into. <laughs> Sorry, what? Wow. That was funny. <laughs> a better version of Tobias Harris. You're just gonna fly out and start laughing. <laughs> I find that funny. I don't know what you guys would. That's that's yeah. a thirty million dollar player right there. It is. But I mean, the the the, the real one the is bank. though is is you get you get to <laughs> let Joel and B just be Joel and B, right? And not worry about him clogging the paint for Ben Simmons. And what do we do with two non-shooters? And like we saw we saw Embiid the other night looked like. I mean, like that's the version of Embiid we've been waiting for, and I don't think it's a surprise that we saw it come out uh, when Simmons isn't out there. I look, th- you obviously would not want to go to war without Ben Simmons in the playoffs, but for what it's worth, this season the Sixers have played over 500 minutes with Joel Embiid on the floor without Ben Simmons. Right, they're outscoring teams by 12 points per 100 possessions, Jeez. by far the best defense uh, in the league. And significantly better when both of those guys are out there. Hmm. Again, like you, you're not better without Ben Simmons. Like that guy is uh, proved when Embiid was out that he's one of the three or four best players in the East. He's a, he was probably in line to, to be first team all defense. Like you want him in a playoff series, but but I I, I don't know. I, I don't think it overall changes the ten. I don't think they go from being like the second favorite to the fourth favorite. They're probably the fourth favorite before and they are now yeah i think that kind of speaks to what we've talked about pretty much for the past couple months with the six they're just a weird team like you know the pieces don't kind of don't really align and so when you take a huge one out and 
it doesn't change really their ceiling at all or their floor. That just again speaks to how weird they are, and also just um, you know, it does. I think that they are who they are at this point. Um, we weren't expecting them to go very far after based off what we've seen from them this season. But at the same time, I, I remember talking about they just had that that personnel with having two all stars um, that they might somehow get hot and go on a run that obviously goes out the window with no Ben Simmons you know there's no um level of unpredictability with that team with like oh man they does just it, figured it out does it go out the window because they went on a run the last time this happened to them this late in the season it was the other way around though they went on a 16 game winning streak leading into the playoffs when Joel Embiid went down two years ago leading into the playoffs and Ben Simmons was the man taking over the team you don't see the Sixers rallying around this and figuring out a way to go on some sort of a run until Simmons gets back into the playoffs? I see some parallels because similar to that, they have a pretty weak schedule coming up. So they play the Cavs, uh, Knicks, then they, they, then they, LA, the, the, the both teams in LA, but then Kings, Warriors, Pistons, some, a lot of winnable games in, in their future. So you might see the Sixers like, oh, they won like, you know, 15 of their last 20 or whatever the case may be because they have some some games that they should win, and I think that we just can't get fooled like we did that at that point. They did they did take that momentum into getting a higher playoff seat that year and uh, beat a Heat team that they were much better than. But I think that the Sixers are going to land between probably fourth or fifth. That the gap is kind of the way that the tiers have worked in the Eastern Conference. They're not going to move to a spot where they have a home court advantage to where they can win a series. And I don't think they can beat the Heat in a series without Ben Simmons. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think the biggest problem for them is that other than Simmons, they don't have anyone else that even resembles a true point guard, like a, right. a real floor general who's going to distribute. They're actually going to miss T.J. McConnell a lot during that stretch. I mean, you're going to see a lot of Alec Burks. You're going to see Josh Richardson playing as point guard, Al Horford Which distributing. He can, do. he can do. He can do, but I don't think he's above average at it. You know, they're, they're going to – it's going to be glaring. It's, it's a little different than Embiid, losing Embiid where you – can kind of make up that that presence a little bit. Um, so I, I think that's uh, that's going to hurt him significantly down w- the road. I wonder if this injury happens a week earlier, if this ends up being the Reggie Jackson team. And I'm not a big Reggie Jackson guy at all, but like this is a team that really could have could have used him in a big way. This is a blessing in disguise if that's the case. <laughs> Come on, don't do that. Don't do that to Reggie Jackson. Get Reggie Jackson out of here. Oof. Yeah, but he's an upgrade over, over Trey Burke and Shake Milton and Raul Neto. I would rather have all those guys that you just mentioned over Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson's coming in with the neon green light, no matter what team he's on, and he's taking shots that he doesn't need to take because he's trying to get that next contract. Yeah, he doesn't care. He could care less whether or not the Sixers win the game. <laughs> he's shooting 50 shots a game. This guy, he might have to get Tommy John surgery after the year, the amount of <laughs> shots he puts up. Um, we went around the table and talked about the Sixers. They signed Al Horford to four-year, $109 million contract. Not a single person even uttered a word that started with the, the, the letter A or H. <laughs> you didn't even mention Al Horford. He's been bad. Awful. Yeah. But this is an opportunity for him to step up. You talk about the playmaking. In Boston, he was a guy that alleviated some of the pressure when Kyrie Irving was out. He would go, they'd go to him offensively. Some of that stuff could happen here, maybe. No, <laughs> no. Well, it's also, and it's not just on him either. Like Brett right. Brown is, if you were to line up one through thirty uh, and rank from most confident to least confident, and figuring out a way to creatively scheme around Ben Simmons being hurt, and like, hey, we're gonna play Al Horford at point center, like. He might be 27th of the 30 coaches <laughs> on that list. 
Like, I, I don't know. It's it's so weird because it we look at how weird Horford and Embiid are together. And it's something that should have made sense when they signed him in the first place. It's like they almost signed him only for a potential series against... Yeah, short-sighted. Against Giannis and only to make sure that Joel Embiid didn't have to actually play against Al Horford. It's like they signed Al Horford so they wouldn't have to play against Al Horford. <laughs> Very short-sighted. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean he's, but he's also looks like he lost a step. I mean he's he's on the wrong side of thirty three. Uh, I'm sure they were hoping that he was going to maintain that same level of of play for a couple more years, and he's he's dropped off a little bit. I mean he's also his shot kind of disappeared this year. He's shooting under thirty two percent from three, where he'd been pretty reliable the last few years. So I think I think it's easy to second guess now that he's doesn't look like as as good of a player. But but my question is, do you do you not think that this might be an opportunity for him to be like to to remind us a little bit that I mean he is thirty three, but they got him for the next <laughs> for yeah. the next three seasons They're after not this. Thrilled about that right if, now. If so, it was Embiid that went out and not Simmons, yeah, I right. think so. But I, I don't see how there's just too much overlap with him and Embiid. I I, I don't know. I, I think if I, again, I think if it was Embiid that's out for the rest of the, the regular season, then maybe we see Horford sort of revert back to Boston, uh, open things up for Simmons a little bit. But I, I have a hard time seeing how this is going to help um, him moving forward. We'll, find, we'll get another chance to see Simmons without Embiid. Uh, or, sorry, Embiid without Simmons. We've seen Simmons without Embiid. The offseason's coming up. This team is not winning the championship. We can all agree on that, right? They're not even yeah, making the finals. Um, who do you trade? One of them. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Rafferty joining us here on the podcast. I would, oh man, I think I would trade Embiid. Why? I think Embiid's the better player, but I, I think in today's NBA, I would rather have the guy that can play five positions that is a matchup nightmare um, than the, send, I, we just, teams don't win. You don't win building teams around bigs anymore. We really haven't seen it in, since Shaq. Be careful. Go ahead. Finish. What? You don't win building around big guys anymore. Nah, because Giannis is a center. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to throw that back in my face. Yeah, but Giannis is out there playing point guard, too. Sure, so it's, sure. it's not your, not your traditional back. <laughs> I would rather have Simmons moving forward than Embiid, personally. I mean, do, you, do you win, and you said today's NBA, do you win building teams around guards who can't shoot but I, you you've just saw milwaukee build a juggernaut around a huge ball handler that can't shoot i think if you're smart you can okay i also like the the injury stuff with the, i i know he's largely been for the most part healthy but he's had some conditioning concerns he still hasn't gotten in shape i still am not sure that i trust joel and b to to stay healthy and that's i mean that might not be fair but that's also I, that has to be part of the equation. Yeah, I, I agree. Because of that reason, and it's ironic saying that, well, Simmons is out with an injury. But <laughs> I was gonna say, it's not like he's with been, a, uh, a back injury, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, back injury but 23. And this yeah, is <laughs> his entire rookie season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, forgetting that, conveniently, I think Simmons' floor is just much higher. Like, he raises the floor of that team to a much higher level. Um, he's, he's just the safer pick than, than Embiid. And because of that, I think you, you probably stick get more with for Embiid too, right? 
I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I know it's boring when we always agree, but I was going to say the same thing for those reasons. Like, I think you said he's a better player. I think you can get a better package for centered around moving and beat. And I also think that um, with more packages being available for that, you can identify, easily identify the pieces that you want to put around Ben Simmons. You can start rebuilding the team about, like, you know, get the shooting that you want, that you need around him to make up for his lack of shooting and then kind of follow that Milwaukee uh, blueprint. I know we saw um, our friend Kane Pittman wrote something uh, recently uh, that had Brett Brown saying that Ben Simmons could kind of follow that path of Giannis. Um, I think that you can, you kind of can see that, that, that path building somehow if they were able to get some shooting around him. And I think, I don't know what the trade would look like, but if they were able to get somebody like, I don't know, Buddy Hield or something like that, he and Ben Simmons would be really fun together. Joel Embiid for Bradley Beal. Who says no? I think the, the Wizards would probably say no. Was it say no? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Got, you got John Wall and, <laughs> and, yeah. and Joel Let's go, Wall, baby. Who are both never yeah. healthy. and can't, uh, can't, Wall yeah. can't shoot either. Can't shoot. Kane uh, Pittman was right on the money. I think – you can build around Ben Simmons, so it is boring when we all agree. I think the Sixers are close to doing that, what the Bucks are doing. It's not like Joel Embiid shooting terrible from three-point range like Brooke Lopez is. The, the one thing about Embiid, <laughs> though, I will say that is you he's one of the very few guys in the league that causes other teams to overreact in terms of making sure we have bigs on, on the roster. Or, hey, what do we do in case we play Joel Embiid? Like, there's... There's really not a whole lot of answers for that dude around the league, and like we we might have even seen it uh, come up if if Philly and Boston were to play each other, right? Like we've been killing Boston for how long mm-hmm. because they they haven't added any bigs. Like the Clippers are small; they don't have big. Like what would they do with Joel Embiid? So he is from that perspective. It's probably like Embiid and maybe like. Anthony Davis is the only Definitely. guys that you really have to legitimately worry about. Like, what are we going to do guarding this guy? Uh, go around the table. They're in the fifth seed right now. Who would they beat in the first round series? In the, out of those top four teams, that's the Heat, Celtics, Raptors, Bucks. You say none of them, Micah? Yeah. Alex? Are we saying a healthy Ben Simmons? Uh, yeah, let's just say health, health notwithstanding. Like they're, everyone's they're, healthy. If they're healthy, I think they can beat any of the three besides the Bucks. They I mean, can no or would, because it's a big difference, yeah. right? Like, we, give me, give we've, been, we've been sucked into the idea of, the idea of the Sixers has been so far beyond the actuality of the Sixers, right? Uh, I'm just saying, I, I they're, mean, like, they're like the <laughs> sirens in Greek mythology, and they, they hear, they're, they're great, they sound beautiful, they look amazing, and you start sailing to them, and bam! You just, you, your your <laughs> wow. ship just like crashes into the rocks, the ship falls apart, nobody makes it back to the land, that's what happens when you put your trust love, in a mirage. I and then the, that's what they are, they're a mirage. That was the most eloquent thing that's ever been said on this podcast. I thought I was going to have to do some editing for a second there. You said S-H-I-P. <laughs> Wow. Ship, yeah, ship. <laughs> they definitely not winning the ship. Really, say that much. Uh, yeah, go ahead, I, I don't one. know how to follow that. Um, but but yeah, I, I would uh, I, I would say it'd be a pick them for any of the three teams besides the Bucks. I mean, they get were, off the fence. You got to pick one of these four teams. If they're not beating them, say they're not beating any of them. Okay, I, I think they would beat the Raptors and the Heat. I mean, okay. last year they were a bounce 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 away from beating the Raptors and then maybe making the finals now the Raptors don't have your Michael Jordan so yeah I think they'd beat the Raptors and the Heat haven't proven anything yet so I I would say they'd beat the Heat 
and then they'd get crushed by the Bucks. Um, I'm gonna say they would beat the Celtics. Um, that's that's it. We looked. They they won the season series three one. I know it's a regular season, but we talked about it just now. They have no answer for Joel Embiid. One of those games where they beat him, Joel Embiid didn't even play. Al Horford was had a had an okay night, but I remember seeing Joel Embiid have 38, 13, and, and six in that one game in Boston where they hardly ever win. They barely win on the road, and they what's one of their like nine road wins this year. They have the same road record as the Knicks, by the way. In case anybody was 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 keeping track. Um as That's far as nine and twenty. Nine and twenty. <laughs> nine and twenty on you the road. You can't be nine and twenty on the road and yeah. be taken serious. That that's also very true. Um as far as the heat, I think that Jimmy Butler would have a, a little bit of a extra put into that series. I don't think he'd allow it to happen. And as far as the Raptors, um yeah, Marcus All has Joel and B's number. So uh, I, I can't see that happening. Um, and then, of course, the, they're not beating the Bucks in the series regardless. But uh, the Celtics, I think that, that advantage of having Joel and beating on the inside, they, they would win that series. I actually, I actually think they beat every team other than the Bucks. Hmm. Um, healthy. I think, I think when we get into playoff series, they just have, they just have matchups that are so tough. It, it looks bad now, but it, when we get to the playoff series, they just have such tough matchups that I think they can sneak by each Miami, Boston, definitely Toronto as well for the simple fact that there's no Kawhi and Milwaukee is the only one that will give them you're trouble. Get, you're getting seduced by the, the crazy 10 at the bar, man. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. I really think that I, 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 this team's still good. On I'm, paper? I'm, yeah. I'm, paper sometimes wins it all. <laughs> Clippers. <laughs> whoa, wait, wait, what? Whoa, whoa. Clippers, the Clippers are good on paper. Oh my God. Are they not? Paper sometimes wins it all. Sometimes wins it, it all. Might just surpassed your Greek yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get out of here, Kobe Bryant had a celebration. Well, he didn't have a celebration. We had the celebration of Kobe Bryant's life on Monday. Um, did you guys all watch? We yep, did. We were watching in the office. We were watching in the office. Uh, I was not. I was late actually picking up Savannah from the airport because I was watching so much of it. So I saw most of it live up until... Shaq went up to speak, and man, I was crying the entire time. I was emotional, uh, and I honestly, I wasn't looking forward to this. I was actually going to avoid it just because I am not ready to come to terms with the fact that Kobe Bryant is not among us anymore. But I actually am—I don't say happy, but I got closure out of watching the celebration of life, seeing everyone that spoke speak about Kobe Bryant. Uh, and this is the first time where I've felt like I can go back to enjoying basketball again. And it's been a long time to since I said that since the day that we, uh, we all shared where, uh, the tragic, tragic accident took nine lives. So watching that ceremony, crying through it, I think it gave me closure finally on, uh, on what's been a tough month, uh, without, uh, a guy who I, uh, loved watching play basketball. Yeah, it was it was a pretty touching ceremony, and everyone that showed up, and the players that showed up with games that night, like Harden and Westbrook. It, it was it was nice to see everyone turn out for that, and and some really well spoken, touching speeches. Um, yeah, I'm just the, the, there's not a lot left to say on the whole Kobe tragedy. I mean, the one thing you just hope that there's some silver lining sparked where we uh, stop being as cynical or people like me stop being so cynical when, you know, talking about these players and stop hating on guys like Zion and just appreciate greatness, which uh, there's, there's a piece that Micah wrote on NBA.com and anticipating the, uh, the all-star game where 
inspired by Kobe, said we should appreciate the greatness of all the 24 All-Stars that are going to be playing. And he, and he wrote something interesting about each of those players and, and just changes their perspective. So I'd encourage everyone to read that. And, um, yeah, that's, that's all I got to say about it. Yeah, that, I said some, something, Shaq that, something that Shaq said uh, last, last night or during the studio show. Um, in between those these games we talked about earlier, just <clears throat> appreciating and, and and thinking about all the memories that we have of Kobe Bryant and, and being basketball fans and enjoying what he gave us to talk about. That to, to be happy, obviously, is always going to be the sadness. Is going to be the the part where I, I'll probably I, I thought about this yesterday. I probably find myself probably once a week for the rest of my life thinking that like this is really this is really the reality of things. Um, but at the same time, you think of so many positive things. You know whether it was the mentality that he that he um, kind of instilled in us by just us being able to watch him, um, and then you see the, the amount of lives and people that he impacted as evidenced by the people who showed up when they had games, the people who stayed back. I think the Celtics and the Kings were in L.A. for games. They stayed back to to be there for that. He has such an impact and a hand on, on so many of us. Um, all the people that, that went up to speak, his wife Vanessa um, showed unbelievable strength. I was thinking and I was saying to someone else that I probably wouldn't have been able to keep it together had I read what she had written. Um, so for her to go up there and speak so glowing about Kobe and, and her daughter, um, that was probably the biggest thing that will always stick with me from, from watching that ceremony. I, the couple of things that stood out to me, I thought the, first of all, what Vanessa Bryant did, um, couldn't imagine the strength that she showed yeah, incredible. to talk and just pour her heart out like that and keep it together was some, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that, uh, in person and TV. I mean, that was, um, that was just otherworldly. I think that the um, impact of having Diana Tarazi and Gina Oriyama and Sabrina, I'm going to butcher the name of this, Sabrina. Yanescu? Yanescu. Having the three of them go back to back to back and speak to uh, you know, Gigi's impact on the women's game and, and Kobe's impact on the women's game, I thought was incredibly powerful. And then I'll, I think that that's Michael Jordan's best post-retirement moment Mm -hmm. i think that you know one of the things that has made that makes the nba great is you see legends retire and step away from the game but they're all still involved right whether it's uh you know kobe's act was actively involved right Mm -hmm. in mentoring all these players and bill russell still uh hands out the finals mvp award and charles barkley and Shaq and d wade and these guys are on tv they're all very active and michael jordan i know he's an owner but He's not really someone that that speaks a whole lot. He's not really in the public limelight a lot. Uh, you know, people think of of his Hall of Fame speech, and that kind of rubs some people the wrong way. But I think that we he's, not, st- he's not a great speaker. No, he's not. But we we saw a version of Michael Jordan that I don't think we've ever seen before, and we we saw like a human side of him, and watching him uh, articulate his thoughts on Kobe and crack jokes and <laughs> talking about the, cr- the crying Jordan meme. Um, I, I thought that that was, uh, will go down as one of the defining Michael Jordan off the court moments and perhaps the defining off the court Michael Jordan moment. I agree. Well said, everyone. Uh, before we, well, tough transition to something else, uh, before we have some fun with our shout outs, um, I do want to mention Dwayne Wade's Jersey retirement. Most of you guys watched it, I'm sure. Did you uh, have any takeaways from Alex? You were the only one that weren't on, wasn't on the uh, Dwayne Wade appreciation pod. Uh, any thoughts on Dwayne Wade? 
Uh, I couldn't believe, I mean, I should believe it, but I couldn't believe how much hype was made over that ceremony. I mean, it was for a guy that had a whole year of basically a, a retirement parade all last year. We're still, it's like, it's still going. I mean, you know, especially after he botched the dunk contest, but uh, yeah. And, and I'm glad I'm, I'm really listening to my uh, takeaway. I, <laughs> I do appreciate it. Fresh off of that. <laughs> killing Dwayne Wade for 20, it was like a half an hour, cere- uh, cere- like a, in real time, half an hour ceremony for number three going up in the air. I thought he did. I thought it was good though. I thought it was as as good as you can get because that's the last time you'll you'll really be able to say uh, from a basketball perspective how great Dwayne Wade is. That's the last. Well, maybe sorry, the Hall of Fame. Hall of Man, Fame. there's a Hall of Fame, but you you know he's gonna be there. The the minute that Miami's playing, they're gonna be like Dwayne Wade at halftime coming no, out. But here. he's not gonna that get the, he's gonna not gonna get the front speech. And center in he's not gonna get the opportunity to thank people anymore like, until the Hall of Fame speech. Like in Miami, that was Miami celebration. The fact that. The rest of the world kind of was able to look at that. That that wasn't for an NBA fan growing up in Charlotte or Toronto or wherever. That was for the Miami Heat fan. So I thought they did a, a good job, you know, celebrating what he was to the Miami Heat because he he is that franchise now. Like you can't think of the Miami Heat without thinking about Dwayne Wade. He's responsible for three championships there. That city is a Miami Heat town. They don't care about the Dolphins. The, the U sucks now, so they don't care about them either. <laughs> they don't know that they have a baseball team that they spent tax money to build that stadium for. So, it, yeah, it's it's a it's a heat town, and that's because of D Wade. I hear you. I, I mean, if you think about it in that way, it's a little bit more meaningful. I just, I guess, my skepticism was just I had almost already thought it happened, just because of how much that he's in the constantly, like you said, just he's so such a huge presence all the time. He's always speaking out. You're always seeing him everywhere, and he right. had that whole thing last year. I mean, he it's just swaps it's, jerseys after every single game. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like, like every day has been Dwayne Wade's retirement parties for the last year and a half Which, so it's yeah i mean he's he deserves a lot of a lot of uh celebration but i don't know it's just it, i think we've seen a lot of Dwayne wade i'm like, really am glad that you guys are appreciating great right <laughs> yeah. i'm stepping away from the mic <laughs> yeah. so uh shout outs who's going first i don't want to start because i got something for <laughs> man just mine that i had planned just feels so irrelevant right now uh but i was going to give it to hassan whiteside all right. of all people all right oh wow former miami heat yeah, there, all right, there you go. There you go. Some, some transition. The guy that Heat then kind of, they kind of cast it off they didn't want. But this guy has been absolutely dominant this year, and no one's really even mentioned anything. And he, he's filled that void left by uh, Nurkic, his injury. Last 40 games, he's averaging 16 points, 15 rebounds, three and a half blocks. On the season, he's leading the league in blocks. He's third in rebounds. I mean, a guy who's, who's playing a role that's pretty much been marginalized and is extinct now. He's just absolutely dominating. So there's a little bit of credit for, you know, he is what he is, and he's really crushing it right now. I guess we're going to keep the try, – try and connect to somehow. This guy is from South Florida. Here we and go. Also, uh, in light of recent events, his alma mater, our alma mater, got a big upset win. Hey. Uh, my, my, my guy, John Collins, uh, down in Atlanta, obviously another team that's not – well, I don't know if Portland makes playoffs or not, but – Hawks aren't going to make the playoffs this year, and uh, Trey Young gets a lot of. Uh, <laughs> Portland's not making the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, you never know. Clear. You yeah. never know. You never know. Uh, Melo, Melo might might lead them there. Yeah. Um, but but you know, Trey Young gets all the headlines there. But in the month of February, uh, JC is averaging twenty five points, shooting sixty three 
48.3% from the field, 48% from three, uh, 10 and a half boards as well. Uh, so it's a guy who easily can get lost in, and you know, Trey Young pulling up from half court and looking pretty awesome being an all-star. But uh, you can't have that one-two punch without that guy, and he's probably going to uh, get a nice extension in, in the coming, uh, coming months or coming year. So. I want to give a shout-out to Luka Doncic, <laughs> who turns 21 later this week. <laughs> And the reason that I want to give a shout out to oh. Luka Doncic is we were having a conversation in the office the other day. Yeah. And Carlin is of the opinion that Luka Doncic right now as a 20-year-old would if he retired would be in the basketball hall of fame yeah. because of what he did in Spain and what he did in Europe. Can you can you He read was off, awesome in Spain. Let's read off those accomplishments. He was awesome. I'm going to let you read off his accomplishments because you're the one that found right, it so and there is a there is a punchline here, but we'll get to in a minute <laughs> right. because I want you all to recognize Luka Doncic for everything that he was and appreciate his greatness in Spain. FIBA Intercontinental Cup champion, two time Spanish King champion, three time ACB All Young Team player, uh, two time Best Young Player in the ACB, All La Liga First Team ACB. Uh, La Liga MVP, three-time La Liga champion, uh, two-time EuroLeague rising star, two-time. That should put him in the Hall of Fame right away. <laughs> I know where you stand on that. <laughs> uh, all EuroLeague first team, all EuroLeague finals MVP, uh, final four MVP, all EuroLeague finals MVP, all EuroLeague league MVP, EuroLeague champion, all that before he arrived in the NBA. Okay. So Luka Doncic is awesome. I'm not going to dispute that Luka Doncic is awesome. Also, what happened last week, Dwayne Bacon was assigned to the Greensboro (laughs) Swarm. Dwayne Bacon goes off for 50 in a G League game, and then like 45 the next day. He looked good doing it, too. And then Carlin had, I wrote this down word for word, quote, Dwayne Bacon is too good for Europe. If Dwayne Bacon is too good for Europe, you then cannot say that because of what Luka Doncic did in Europe, he should be in the Hall of Fame. If you are putting people to shame in a league that Dwayne Bacon is too good to play in, that absolutely unequivocally cannot be the reason why a guy celebrating his 21st birthday should retire and immediately go into the Hall of Fame. That's my shout out for this week. I appreciate that. It's airtight. Yeah. Is that a shout out to me or Luca? <laughs> it's a little bit of both. <laughs> All right. Um, my shout out this week goes to one Mike Adams. Thanks for the uh, right back at me here. Bradley Beal. All-star snub in your opinion, correct? Correct. 100% all-star snub. 100% all-star snub. Came back from the all-star break. Been incredible. Fresh off of this pod, he actually just finished going Back-to-back games where he dropped 50 points. 53 points against the Chicago Bulls. 55 points against the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm waiting for the zag here. I'm really nervous right now. Did you not take to Twitter to say that Bradley Beal, based off of this performance, should have been yeah. an all-star? Yeah, should have been an all-star. Cool. No disagreement from any round around the table, right? That's He was a snub. There's a yeah, big I disagree here. with him being a snub, but... The numbers say that he should have been an all-star. No one was debating that. The reason why Bradley Beal didn't make the all-star team was because his team didn't win games. Okay. Bradley Beal goes for 53 against the Chicago Bulls. They take 
an L. Bradley Beal goes for 55 against the Milwaukee Bucks. They take an L. This is why Bradley Beal is not an all-star and won't be an all-star until his team starts winning games. No one's debating his talent. If he's Pat, all-star talent. If Pascal he's putting Siakam, up great numbers. If Pascal but if Siakam his team's had not half, winning games, Pascal get Siakam, him out of no, there. If Pascal get him Siakam out of there. had half of Bradley Beal's ability. There's 16 games under 500. Stay, look. Bradley Beal was five times better against the best team in the NBA than Pascal Siakam could even dream of being. Yeah, if you traded those two guys right now, the Toronto Raptors are going back to the NBA Finals. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I, I got I got a rebuttal for it. Are we allowed Good. to rebuttal yeah, shoutouts? So you're talking about wins. I actually looked this up during the podcast for some other reason. I can't remember. Last 15 games, Beal's averaging 37 points a game, yeah. five assists, almost 50% shooting, and the team is eight and seven. That team with that roster, and I want to appreciate greatness. I mean, it's, it's a pretty bad roster. Come on. <laughs> eight and seven? Yeah, but you're proving my point here. The reason he's why winning he's winning games for that. Games. Eight, eight and seven and is not something to be with, celebrating. With a There's team of six. G League players around That's him. That's not my problem. That's not my problem. Blame your team. Trey Young started the All-Star game. Is he out too? Yeah, but I, shouldn't, I don't think he should have started the All-Star game either. Would he be out he of the He shouldn't have even been in the All-Star game. He shouldn't have been with. in the All-Star the game. The guy has the second worst record in the league. Get him out of here. You need to win games. Sorry, Jalen Brown should have been in the All-Star game instead of <laughs> Trey Young. Who's getting that roster to above 500? That's not my problem. you got to reward winning. Cat has great numbers. His team stinks. That's why he's not in the All-Star game. So who you, you have to on? reward you winning. On? Uh, if you for, take Trey Young off. I just told you, Jalen Brown. Oh, yeah, you did just that. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. I listed six starters for, I like, uh, for the Lakers. I like how you're going you're gonna to come at me for saying Bradley Beal should be an all-star after I'm the guy dropped 50 on a back-to-back. -back. I'm just saying. The, re the reason why he's not an all-star is not because he's not good. We're not discrediting his talent. He's a talented player. The reason why he didn't make the all-star team is because his team wasn't. There's 16 games under 500. What are you rewarding mediocrity for? Their starting lineup the other night was Rui Hachimura, Ishmith, so Jan Mahimi, and Isaac Bonga. So what? Ishmith. So Shabazz Napier is their second best player right but now. So what? That's not my problem. <laughs> That's not my. Win games, period. He is winning games with them. He's 8-7. He's 8-7. is not winning games. That's, That's 500 basketball. That's pretty good. That's, That's, That's that good is Zion with the Pelicans. That is reward. <laughs> <laughs> you put if you put if you put Hall of Famer Luka Doncic on the Washington Wizards, he'd have the exact same numbers as Bradley Beal and probably a worse record. And Luka's all and Luka's all in an All Star. Yeah, Luka's team is actually thirty five and twenty three at the time of recording this, right? Okay, and they're in the playoffs. Okay, and when he was picked for the All Star team. They They're not starting five. Isaac Bonga and Yadda That's Mahimi. not my fault. You're blame, blame, it's not Bradley Beal's fault either. Blame Ted Leonis's or whoever the owner is up there. That's not my problem. I didn't build this roster. Incredible. You got to go with what's the facts. Mm, Win games. You, you guys can't reward mediocrity. It's team sport. As Shaquille O'Neal said. <laughs> yeah, it is a team sport. Then why are we, no why are we giving him credit? Okay, so why are you giving him credit for his, his big numbers? If it's a team sport first, win games. 16 games under 500. Embarrassing. That's it for this week. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> for Micah Adams, Alex Novick, Gil McGregor, I'm Carlin Gay. Bradley Beal, I still love you, man. We'll see you next week right here on NBA Sound System.